Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am very excited, as per usual, to be here today. And we've got a good one lined up for you guys today on this Monday, March 1st edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Not February 29th. No, 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 no. Not this year, anyways. March 1st. And this also means we are marking one week away from Mock Draft 3.0. This is a very exciting time as we edge closer and closer to the 2021 NFL Draft, which takes place at the end of April. And I'm planning on doing a pretty pretty cool thing at the end of April for the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm excited. The NFL Draft is my favorite time of the year. And we've talked about this before, how I have these different... There's different championships in sports, and the playoffs are all exciting. But if your team's not in it, or at least in this case, my team's not in it, I find it very hard to latch myself into a playoff series. Like, the Bulls haven't been in the playoffs for years. And when they were, they weren't competitive, other than the year where Rajon Rondo got hurt, which, (laughs) surprisingly, for how bad he was during the regular season, he was the reason the Bulls lost that playoff series to the Boston Celtics. They're up 2-0 until he got hurt. And then he gets hurt, and the series ends in six games. Like that is the last time that I remember. At least I could be wrong about this. The Bulls might have made it one more time after that, which I don't think they did because I think that was the last year of Jimmy Butler's era in Chicago, I guess we're going to say. And you got Larry Markin and Zach Levine. And Zach Levine, we talked about that, making his first All-Star game. Congratulations, Zach. The Bills weren't in the playoffs my entire life up until a few years ago when they lost to Jacksonville. The Blackhawks, okay, that was really exciting. The Blackhawks gave me some great memories in the playoffs. And then the Cubs gave me some great memories until... Other than 2016, the, the, until the NLCS, because they weren't really doing anything in the NLCS against the Dodgers or the Mets, got pretty much embarrassed, other than the year they won the World Series. That was pretty exciting. But if my team's not playing, I don't really care. Uh, that might sound weird, coming from a guy that is supposed to talk about everything in sports, but I've never really cared about that. Everybody asks me, oh, who are you cheering for the playoffs? I'm not really cheering for anybody. I'm just hoping that this is exciting. Don't really care. Now, football's different. I'll watch football because I love football. It's my favorite sport. But other sports like basketball, I don't really care unless the Bulls are in the playoffs. I'll watch the finals. Maybe. I didn't really do a good job of watching the finals last year. But maybe watch the finals now. I don't I don't know. The Bulls might actually make the playoffs. That would be pretty exciting. But for me, the NFL draft is awesome. It's mysterious. It's like a real, real version of like Real Housewives of Atlanta or something like that, where it's a TV drama or what what do they call those things? Where it's part of its real reality TV shows. It's real, but edited into a way that makes it not really what happened, if that makes any sense. The NFL draft is all live you see the drama like Aaron Rodgers sitting in the green room. You got Brady Quinn sitting in the green room. Laramie Tunsil falling down the draft boards with his weed-smoking video going around the internet right before the draft conveniently. Warren Sapp falling in the draft for a quote-unquote failed drug test that he didn't even fail. It was just brought up, up to by the media. Kyle Brady, tight end, <laughs> getting drafted before Warren Sapp. Ken O'Brien getting drafted before Dan Marino. Marino falling all the way to almost out of the first round. The drama of the NFL draft is so 
exciting. Who gets drafted first? This year, we know that. We know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, unless something to the levels of Laramie Tunsil or Warren Sapp or Dan Marino pops out. And then we're in trouble with Trevor Lawrence and his number one overall pick security, I guess we could call it. But then the battle for who's going to go second rages on through social media, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. People are battling it out on social media on who will go second out of the QBs. I am under the impression, this isn't exactly what I think should happen, but I'm under the impression that Zach Wilson will be the second quarterback taken in this draft. I don't know what team he's going to, but everything I've heard is he's going to be the second quarterback taking this draft. Regardless of whether I think he's a better quarterback than Justin Fields or not. Or if I think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than him, which I don't, but there are people out there that even rank Mac Jones higher than that of Trevor Lawrence. And some people that rank Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence. Now, I don't understand these people, but they do exist. June Jones being the one that ranks Trevor Lawrence the third best quarterback. In this draft, we made fun of June Jones quite a bit on the show about that whole situation. (laughs) But this was something that I caught on Instagram, which we did the whole Stay Woke Wednesday thing. If you don't remember that, you should go back and listen to the the shows that we did during the summer. Because that was a very exciting time. I enjoyed every second of the summer shows that we did. When there was no sports going on and I had to come up, use my creativity and find new things to talk about. So going on Instagram and finding... Dumb posts and dumb takes was one of my favorite things to do. And then we make fun of it on Stay Woke Wednesday. Everything from that past Thursday to Wednesday. Because that was when I was recording it the day of. Right now, as we I say, it feels like every single show. This record on Sunday. It's 9.24 right now. I'm a little tired. Got a little bit of a headache. But we're going to put the show out. But on Instagram, you see these things all the time with these different Instagram accounts. It's like being a... Instagram model or an Instagram comedian or something like that where it's like I you wouldn't really tell anybody you're an Instagram model you go like I'm a model and then once they find out you're an Instagram model it's like uh are you really a model though I could call myself an Instagram model I could call myself an Instagram NFL expert which I know I'm not I've got no sources so I can't really consider myself an expert because I'm not connected in any realm of the NFL or any sport I mean, I mean, I'm a little bit connected to college sports for you and I, especially since I went there and William Penn. But other than that, don't have a lot of sources out there. But these guys, like this Instagram account, CFB.routine, if you want to go follow them on Instagram, I find these takes interesting. It is the top five draft studs and the draft top five draft busts. I hate the term bust. It's one of my least favorite terms in all of sports. Much like the system quarterback thing, which we talked about a few weeks ago, there the word bust is a weird one, especially before they've even played a single snap in the NFL. So you're really putting your reputation and career on the line by calling somebody a bust before they even played a snap in the NFL. You saw that with the likes of Josh Allen, to be use one example of that, where everybody was calling him a bust saying he can't play, before he even played a single snap in the NFL, now he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like, that's where you're kind of like, are you really an expert? Because anybody can be a bust. That's why it's lame and annoying to try and predict someone to suck at their job before they've even done it. Like, they're top five draft studs. Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Caleb Farley, Mac Jones. 
that's great analysis there. Everybody knows they're gonna they're good players right now. We don't know how they'll pan out in the NFL. Injuries could happen. Certain situations in gar- in the organization could happen. Like, I'm not going to sit here and write off Sam Darnold as a bust because of all the situations that's gone on in New York with the Jets. From the coaching to the decisions and not building him an off the line or getting him any weapons whatsoever, I'm not ready to mark him off as a bust yet. And he's played three years in the NFL. I think it'd be best for him to go somewhere else just to get his feet on the ground, get settled down somewhere else outside of the Jets organization, regardless if they have a new coach, new GM, new offensive coordinator that is willing to give them, give him weapons and build around him, I think it'd be best for him to go to another place. Now, if the Jets feel like, we talked about this before, if the Jets feel like they can salvage Sam Darnold, then do it. If you feel like you can save whatever left of Sam Darnold in there, go ahead and do it. Like, don't mark off somebody as a bust yet, because Sam Darnold was seen as the can't-miss prospect of the draft, and after this draft, he's the fourth best quarterback in that first round just because Josh Rosen's only played one year in the NFL. He's been on four different teams in three years. So that's the only thing that's keeping Sam Darnold out of last place out of the 2018 draft class. But he was considered the can't-miss prospect, and the two quarterbacks that were considered reaches or busts and can't play the position were Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Lamar's won a unanimous NFL MVP. Josh came second in the NFL MVP race and put up insane numbers this year with Stephon Diggs and that Bills offense looking damn near unstoppable for most of the season. And their drop five draft busts, and this they're numbered too. So like they're saying these guys are going to be busts. These, from this one over, they're going to be the busts. So number one bust is Justin Fields. Number two is Jalen Waddell. Three, Micah Parsons. Four, Travis Etienne. And five, Zach Wilson. I don't know what makes people think that these guys are going to be busts in the NFL this early before they've even done a single thing at the professional level. Anything that they've done at the professional level. Like, what makes you think? when You didn't even add it in the, the, the description or your caption or whatever. You didn't even add your reasoning for why you think these guys are going to be. But you just put up a numbered list on why you think these players will be busts or why... These players will be studs. There's not a 100% guarantee that Trevor Lawrence will be an absolute beast in the NFL. There's not a guarantee. Because, again, injuries can happen. The Jaguars organization have been historically a very unstable place. So I don't care if they have Urban Meyer there now. What if what if it doesn't work out with Urban Meyer? We can play the what-if game if we really want to. Like, Do I think Trevor Lawrence will be an awesome quarterback in the NFL? Yes, I do think he'll be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Is there a chance that he doesn't turn out to be a very good quarterback in the NFL? Yes. It's a 50-50 chance for almost every single prospect out there. Because every single thing in the NFL is not guaranteed. Nothing in the NFL is guaranteed. Nothing in life is guaranteed. So like Trevor Lawrence, if he tears up his right shoulder, I know he just had surgery on his left shoulder, but if he tears up his right shoulder and is done, are we going to call him a bust? Because he didn't live up to his expectations. Regardless of his injuries or not. I don't know. I hate, hate, hate the term bust. Especially before anybody's played in the NFL. Like I straight, that's one thing I'll never do is call someone a bust before they played. Because when Daniel Jones was drafted sixth overall by the New York Giants back in 2019, it was Daniel Jones can't play. Why'd they draft him number six overall? He's a bust. He's not going to be good. Now, 
I didn't sit here and praise the pick. I'm not going to act like I sat here and said the Giants were geniuses for drafting Daniel Jones with the sixth overall pick. What I did do is sit here and say, I'm not surprised they did it because that was the reports throughout the entire week and the months leading up to that, the Giants were going to draft Daniel Jones. I was more of the fact surprised that they drafted him sixth, but not the fact that they drafted him. And I never said Daniel Jones was going to be a bust. You could see the things that he did that make the Giants go, ooh, we like what this kid can do. Now, Daniel Jones is prone to the odd turnover, which I have bashed him for on numerous occasions. And do I think he's worth the sixth overall pick? No, but that's not saying he can't play. I saw some people on Pro Football Focus, which, and their their numbers are really cool. Like when you look at the the grade of position against a certain position or how good they are against this coverage versus this coverage. That's really cool. Their player analysis stuff is very weird and very off. They literally had a guy come on there, or one of their hosts, say Justin Herbert just flat out can't play. We saw what he could do at Oregon. We saw what he did against Wisconsin. He can play. He was going to be the number one overall pick the season before. Or probably the number two pick, because Kyler Murray, with Cliff Kingsbury getting hired, was going to go number one overall. But Justin Herbert was a top five pick back then. He had a better year this year, as opposed to the year he was going to be a guaranteed top five pick or was in the running for the best quarterback in college football. That's weird. Josh Allen getting written off as a bust before he even played a snap in the NFL. Now, I would draft Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield. Now, do we know if Sam Darnold would be better than Baker Mayfield in Cleveland right now if they were to drafted Sam Darnold number one overall? We don't know that. We don't know. We don't know if Baker Mayfield would have been better or worse with the Jets. We don't really know. But right now, you can't really sit here and go, the Browns made a dumb decision by drafting Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold. They didn't because they're in the playoffs, won a playoff game with Baker. Could they have done that with Sam? Maybe. But there's a chance they might have been worse. I don't know. Sam doesn't really seem to have the confidence levels that Baker Mayfield has. And do I think Baker Mayfield's confidence levels are a little too high? Yeah. But Sam doesn't have, it seems like he doesn't have any confidence at this point in time. You don't willingly tell your teammates that I'm seeing ghosts on the sideline now. Do I think it's wrong that NFL Network or uh, ESPN put that on TV? Yeah, probably wouldn't have put that anywhere. But you don't tell your teammates that on the sideline anyways. You shouldn't tell people that. It doesn't really instill confidence in the rest of your team, regardless of it instilling confidence in you. But do I think though I think the studs will be studs? I think they could all be studs. Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith. Caleb Farley, Mac Jones, it could all be studs. But so could Justin Fields, Jalen Waddle, Michael Parsons, Travis Etienne, and Zach Wilson. I love that they didn't put any reasoning behind it either. That's the funny part. Here's what we think the busts are, but I'm not going to tell you why. You use your own imagination. So that gets clicks and stuff like that. It's the thing in media of you don't need to be accurate. You just need to be first. Because people will read what you post first. doesn't need to be accurate. Like when TMZ reported Kobe Bryant's death. Like were they right for posting that? No. They should have never posted that thing. Especially not before telling his wife that her husband and her daughter died in a, a helicopter crash. But they were first. So they got the big clicks out of it. It's stupid how that works out. But that's how that's the world we live in right now. 
And here's another one that I saw. We're just talking. I it's just an Instagram trend thing because it's draft. We're getting closer to the draft. We are a month away from the NFL draft. So that's very exciting. Or two months away from the NFL draft, which is very, very exciting. I found another list. It was from mock drafts underscore NFL. Now this one got a lot of hate in the comment section, and rightfully so. It was a top five tight ends in the draft. And this this was confusing. I only really need to read the top two, and you should understand why it's confusing. They had <laughs> Pat Fryermuth as the number one tight end in the draft. And they, yes, they did have Kyle Pitts as the number two one. And then the comment section, it was like, why are you digging yourself in a hole? You said, you kept saying, he. I don't know if who, who made this post. It's a dumb post regardless. But he said, before you type your bashing comments, read the caption first. Friermuth is a true tight end. Pitts will 100% go before Friermuth as, play, as he should, but Pitts isn't a tight end. He's a dangerous player that happens to line up sometimes at tight end. Friermuth is a great all-around tight end. He lines up as tight end. He's listed as a tight end. If he wasn't listed as a tight end or was listed as an athlete or something, then sure, don't put him as the number one tight end in the draft. But the fact that you listed him as a tight end, even though you said Pitts isn't a tight end, but proceeded to list him as number two in the tight ends of the draft, doesn't make a lot of sense. A- am I lost here? Is is Does that make sense and I'm just completely lost by it? <laughs> and the reason for Kyle Pitts, probably the most dangerous player in the entire draft, happens to be a wide receiver that lines up a tight end in some formation. He's a tight end. Florida lists him as a tight end. He lines up at tight end. Like I'm so confused. And then he listed, the someone talked about tight ends because he didn't call him a true tight end and said Darren Waller was a true tight end, even though his comparison to, to, to Kyle Pitts is Darren Waller, who is a tight end. He's not a tight end, but we're going to list him in the list with tight ends and compare him to a tight end in the NFL, but he's not a tight end. Does that make sense? No? Doesn't make sense to you either? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. You understand where this person's coming from, but I don't I don't see it. You can't go before you type your bashing comments. Yeah, no. I'm going to bash you before because it's a stupid list. And then you say, before, Firemouth is a true tight end. What is a true tight end anymore? Do we know what a true tight end is? Was Antonio Gates a true tight end? Was Kellen Winslow a true tight end? Because they were receiving tight ends. I don't know. I wouldn't list them as true tight ends. I'd list them as athletes and weapons. I wouldn't list them as tight ends. Even though I'm going to list them among the greatest tight ends of all time. I'm not going to list them as tight ends. (laughs) The logic behind Instagram people is amazing at times. It's like, oh man, no, Kyle Pitts isn't the best tight end in the draft. He's not even a tight end, but I'm going to list him with the rest of the tight ends. I keep repeating myself because it hurts my brain to just keep thinking about it. I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Maybe it does to other people. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here. No, I am going to sit here and bash it because it's stupid. Kyle Pitts is the second best player in the draft, regardless of what you think he is. Because he is a tight end. He's listed at tight end. What are their sizes? I want to see how big Pat Fryermuth is compared. Because I know how big Kyle Pitts is. So, he's 6'5", 260 pounds. 
Kyle Pitts is 6'6", 245 pounds, or around that. He's an inch shorter and 15 pounds heavier, but he's the true tight end. And I'm not saying that Friar Muth won't be a good wide tight end in the NFL. He might actually eventually be better than Kyle Pitts. But as a prospect goes, he is not ranked higher, or should ever be ranked higher, than Kyle Pitts. Pat Fryer must should never be ranked higher than Kyle Pitts. Sure, I, he can be a true tight end all you want, but you list it with Kyle Pitts in with the tight ends. So by that logic, you should put him at number one. And he got ratioed, or she, I don't know who made this post or who runs this account, got ratioed in every comment they responded to. So if you don't know what ratioed is, you you post something and then someone comments something that gets more likes than your original post. And it didn't get more likes than the original post because it's hard to find comments on these types of Instagram accounts that have like 400 likes like these accounts tend to get. But they would get like 20 likes on them and then they would respond, get no likes, and the next person would get 15 likes. Saying basically the same exact thing I'm saying to you right now. If you're going to list them with the tight ends, which you did, regardless of what you think he's a true tight end or not, he's ranked number one. He is. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It is really funny to me at times that people post things like that and go, you know what? I think that's fine. I think that's really fine that <laughs> I made no sense in this post and we're going to post it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna die on this hill that Kyle Pitts is the second best tight end in the draft even though he's not a tight end. But I'm going to list him with the rest of the tight ends. I'm going to die on this hill. Well, good. No one else is dying with you. <laughs> You're dying by yourself, dude. I'm sorry. No one has helping you fight that battle. This <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have more drafts that I want to talk about, but I want to talk about you and I's game versus Southern Illinois this week. Big win. Or not Southern Illinois. We'll talk about who Southern Illinois played in a way bet. But you and I... Their football team came back, bounced back, went against Youngstown State, 21-0. Pretty easy game. Easy going game. Youngstown State looked the exact same they did against North Dakota State the week prior. No semblance of an offense whatsoever. They had no passing game yet again. 64 yards passing in the game. Their leading rusher was Mark Wade, their backup quarterback, who's also their leading passer in the game. So I would expect he takes Joe Craycraft's starting position next week because the only time their offense even looked semi-lively and semi being the <laughs> the big word there because lively is not what I would describe Youngstown State's offense as he was in at quarterback led them in rushing led them in passing granted by two yards but it threw one more one had one more attempt than Craycraft but man their offense is dead if you look at the receiving totals one receiver had left more than 10 yards in this game one, it even he had more than nine. One person had more than nine yards. That was 41 yards, but Natavius <laughs> Payne, nine yards receiving. And you and I didn't play a perfect game whatsoever, but they didn't really need to. Will threw an interception, underthrew Isaiah Weston in the end zone. Whatever. Youngstown State wasn't going to do anything from that anyways. Dom Williams scored two rushing touchdowns in the game. Tyler Hoosman was back after missing out last week. Looked very good. In his time playing in the game, he had a 16-yard run in the game. Didn't get a touchdown, but led the Panthers in rushing with 68. Don Williams had 39 yards. Will had 38. 
They were working with a new center in this game. Their starting center was out. And you could see early in the game that there were some snap problems. Will fumbled a snap. There was some miscommunication regarding cadence. At least you could at least it looked like it. But it didn't really affect them. And you and I handled Youngstown State pretty easily. Quan Hampton was back after the scare he had against South Dakota State where he looked like he hurt his neck pretty bad. He was back, led you and I in receiving again. It seems to be a very good relationship between him and Will McIlvain this year. Fair. Isaiah Weston caught two passes in this game. It was Will's favorite target last year, but he doesn't look 100% healthy. Dion McShane, 38 yards receiving the game, but Dom, or Quan Hampton again, 74 yards receiving in the game. It was a pretty simple game and a pretty boring game for you and I, but they dominated it. Defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball, they were fairly easy in this game. Offense looked a little better than what it did last week, as you know, with an offensive coordinator leaving the week before a game or the week of a game. You're going to have some issues or what do you want to call it? Some, what is it called? I mean, you're, oh, wow. You're going to have d- difficult times calling plays because you're not really familiar. You ever know Sean Watson was the quarterback coach as a play caller. This was his first game doing it last week. He looked a lot more comfortable doing it this week, and you and I handled it. And then I don't know if it was, I think it was Quan Hampton caught a crossing route across the field and ran out of bounds or got pushed out of bounds or whatever, and then caught a shoulder of a Youngstown State coach on the sideline. I didn't see it live. I saw it on Twitter after the game or during the game. I saw Spencer Brown, UNI draft prospect, tweeting about it. And yeah, apparently, according to Gary Rima, he wasn't on the sideline in the second half, which is good. You shouldn't have coaches like that on the side that are going to truck players or lower their shoulders into players. You saw a Dolphins coach, I believe, a few years ago trip a Steelers player. I think it was a Dolphins versus Steelers game, and a Steelers player got tripped on the sideline by a coach. You hate this. It's stupid. Why are coaches doing that? It's not. You rarely see this, but when it happens, it's so stupid. And especially when you're on ESPN Plus and everybody's going to watch you. You're on the sideline. Players were standing around him. It was such a weird situation. I don't know how he didn't get flagged for it at the time. Hampton or Mc, I can't remember which one it was. It was a one or a four. I can't remember. He was even pointing to the coach, to the ref, and the ref didn't do anything about it. But... It was so stupid. If he wasn't on the sideline, which I didn't know, I don't know what his name is to begin with. Good. Should get a a pretty hefty suspension or just get fired altogether. I don't know. That's just stupid and cheap. Why? I don't get it. I just do not get it. But you and I, all in all, pretty easy game. Boring game, but easy nonetheless. And the team Youngstown State played last week, North Dakota State, suffered their first loss in 39 games. 39-game win streak snapped for North Dakota State against a heavily underdog, heavy underdog in Southern Illinois University. Got smashed by the Salukis this weekend. It was awesome to watch. This one was, I mean, it was fun to watch from the standpoint of North Dakota State's getting beat down by Southern Illinois. Out of all the teams that could beat North Dakota State this year, it's Southern Illinois. 38-14. to I was watching the game after you and I's game because it was about a half shorter or half. It was halftime when you and I's game was around getting close to ending. I think it was like midway through the third quarter where I saw started watching the game. 
So <laughs> I'm following the game. I'm sitting downstairs watching the game. My parents are back from Hawaii, so I'm trying to get my dad to come down. But they're watching Cobra Kai and making fun of Cobra Kai because that's that's an interesting show. If you, <laughs> you want to have a little good laugh at, at bad acting, go watch Cobra Kai. But Southern Illinois in the fourth quarter scored a touchdown. And then I go upstairs for a little bit. And then I come back down and Southern Illinois scores again from around the same. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. It was like a car crash. I didn't know what was going on. And this, again, like we talked about last week, shows how much Trey Lance meant to North Dakota State. They killed teams last year. They were a steam train last year. They were a roller last year. They weren't getting stopped by anybody. They have no semblance of a run game from their quarterback position, and Zeb Nolan is not anywhere near the passer of Trey Lance, at least through these first two games. Their offense looks dead. It looks stagnant. Zeb Nolan had two rushes in this game, and they did get a rushing touchdown, so fair play to him, but he's not Trey Lance. So I don't think we're going to have another North Dakota State quarterback get drafted in the first round. Maybe not have one get drafted at all next year's draft. Their offense is just not the same without Trey Lance. I know they're missing some other big pieces on their team outside of Trey Lance, like Jabril Cox and Dylan Radnez. Again, I'm struggling saying his name. I'll get it by the time the draft comes around. They're missing some big players, okay? I'm not oblivious to that. But their offense just looks dead. Really. If you can't, if you're struggling to move the ball against Southern Illinois, and no disrespect to Southern Illinois, but North Coast State should not be struggling with a team the level of Southern Illinois. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Last year, these two teams met, and granted, it was a 21-7 win for North Dakota State. But Southern Illinois was receiving votes during this game. Trey Lance put up 146 yards passing, 71 rushing yards in the game as well. Like, they're, it just looks weird. They look really odd without a mobile quarterback even there. Even with Easton Stick between Wentz and Lance. Like, they had, he was decently mobile quarterback as well. Zeb Nolan's just not that. And they, ugh. It's weird. It was very weird to watch them get beat down by Southern Illinois. They were 14.5-point favorites, if I recall, in this game, and Southern Illinois beat them down, beat them down bad. Now, that all being said, if North Dakota State somehow loses to Missouri State, that would be the craziest thing ever. Because Missouri State, they're good at some sports they do, especially women's basketball. But football... They stink. Them and Western Illinois suck. <laughs> they are bad. Those two teams are the bottom feeders of the Missouri Valley Conference. Now, they do somehow. I don't. I still don't know how they did this or how they managed to get this pulled off, but they do have Bobby Petrino as their head coach. I was really upset when Bo Pelini left Youngstown State this season to go back to LSU, but... Man, there was almost a conference with Bo Pelini and Bobby Petrino in it at the FCS level. That is one of the that would have been the funniest conference ever. Now, I think North Dakota State should easily handle Missouri State, but I thought they'd be able to handle at least more than what they did against Youngstown State. And though they won twenty five to seven, they didn't look good in the game. I don't know if they lose to Missouri State. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, you and I, 
should be hard down, hard should have hard feelings from losing to South Dakota State. They lost with 19 seconds left in the game. But they play Illinois State next week. Should be able to beat the Redbirds of Illinois State. Yeah, they shouldn't really. They, they should beat Illinois State. They're back in the dome. They should beat them. They lost to South Dakota 20 to 7 2 weeks or last week, I guess. Oh wait, no. This week. They lost yesterday. I didn't I thought they'd play a game last week. I guess not. Well, them and you and I should be a very fun game. They have a tough schedule after you and I play North Dakota State right after that. And they get a little break with Western Illinois and then South Dakota State, the team that just beat you and I. And I don't know what the FCS rankings are right now, but Illinois State and you and I is usually a fun game. Usually a fun game. You and I beat them last year, 27 to 10. It'll be a fun game. I'm very excited to watch Illinois State versus you and I. I'm going to be trying to get up to that game this week. We'll see if we actually end up doing that, but I really hope I can because that'd be a very exciting game to watch. Very exciting game to watch. You and I versus the Redbirds of Illinois State. Oh, yes. Gotta love FCS football being back. Gotta love having some sort of football back. I'm excited. Football being back is a great thing. And it's not the XFL and the AAF. It's actually exciting to watch. Now, not right now. It's been pretty dull to start on the FCS level from you and I, North Dakota State's perspective, because those are the two teams I've been watching the most of since football's been back for the FCS. I'm intrigued to see how this works out by bringing them back to the fall. And normally, I don't know how that'll work, but hey, the NCAA, they're all about player safety. That's all they care about is player safety. So let's bring them back in the fall and it'll work out perfectly fine. I don't expect any injuries of any kind at any point. During the season. Because the players are rested. They just didn't they didn't play a full season. In the spring they'll be fine. They're college athletes. They're young. They'll be fine. Oh goodness. Spring football. It is, it is fun for the fan. But the players. I know they're having fun now. But I feel bad for the fact that. Yeah we're going to have to go back pretty pretty fast. <laughs> oh man. We got to go back pretty fast. To here, get back to a normal football schedule, or at least normal enough. It was weird when they canceled it anyways, with teams coming back, but I don't I don't know. It was so weird. It was, it's a weird situation we've got going on here. Now, with Trey Lance of North Dakota State obviously going to the NFL draft, there's going to be, and there's some opinions out there, Mel Kuyper being one of the people that have said this, wishing Trey Lance went back to another school, transferred to another school to rebuild his draft stock, but he was going to be a first-round draft pick this year. If you're a first-round draft pick, and you know you're going to be a first-round draft pick, it's going to be hard to move, go to another school or just come back to school and try to build your draft stock up again because that could come back to bite you. Look at what happened to Matt Barkley. That killed him. He got drafted in the third round, and now he's a backup on the Bills. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a backup on the Bills anyways, but he was a first-round draft pick, decided to come back, got hurt, Got drafted in the third round. But would Trey Lance have gone somewhere? I don't know. Mel Kuyper said he wished he'd gone somewhere like Ohio State. But with these other college quarterbacks out there right now, there's been a lot of lists that have been circling around of the top 10 quarterbacks that are returning. We talked about this, when was this, last week? About all the quarterbacks that are returning in college football. And it's a very exciting time for college football because we're losing a lot of very good quarterbacks. Over these past couple of years, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua, then I know Jordan Love in there as well, I guess. 
talent-wise, Jordan Love. I don't know if anybody actually watched Jordan Love <laughs> before he was getting drafted. And then this year, we've got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, uh, crap, Mac Jones, <laughs> Kyle Trask, all leaving. And you're going to get a conveyor belt of players to come back. And there's some talented players coming back. Bryce Young is going to be one player that I am going to be so excited to watch. Because I wanted to watch him this year. We talked about that all over the Logan Blackman, Logan Blackman show during the summer. Because Alabama's quarterback controversy wasn't getting talked about a ton. It was getting talked about a little bit. But Bryce Young, I saw this on Instagram the other day, or maybe it was today. Bryce Young is Russell Wilson on steroids. I've heard him when last year when he was at Alabama getting compared to a better version of Kyler Murray coming out of high school. And Kyler Murray was an insane quarterback coming out of Allen, Texas in high school. So Bryce Young getting put in the same conversation as Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, who there's some big hype around Bryce Young. I've said this before. I think Bryce Young might be the most talented quarterback Nick Saban's ever worked with. And I'm including the likes of Tua and Jalen Hurts in there who are the more probably the two most talented quarterbacks Jalen's or Nick Saban's had at Alabama. Obviously, A.J. McCarron's a very good quarterback for Bama. Then you have Mac Jones, obviously there as well. Blake Sims, John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, all these quarterbacks at Alabama. But Bryce Young, I think, could be, I think is right now, the most talented and could probably be the best quarterback he's had at Alabama. I don't know if he will be, but talent-wise, it's it's going to be hard to ignore his talent. There's some good quarterbacks outside of Bama that are going to be competing with him for, I'm not, I don't want to say he could win the Heisman, but he could, he could, I'm not going to say he will win it, but he could definitely win it, but there's some other good young quarterbacks that will be competing with him, like Sam Howell for North Carolina, who in my opinion probably will and should be the first quarterback taken in the draft next year, or if not the number one quarterback taken in the draft ever since he's been the starter at North Carolina as a freshman, he's put up insane numbers. This isn't a situation like Trubisky, who played 13 games in college. Sam Howell has started since he was a freshman at North Carolina, and he's going to go into his third season as the starting quarterback for North Carolina. I know that's going to get brought up. I know it's going to get brought up when he gets drafted. That, oh, would you take him? Trubisky didn't pan out from North Carolina. There's a lot different circumstances from Trubisky's standpoint and Sam Howell's perspective at North Carolina. He started a lot more games, put up a lot better numbers than Mitchell Trubisky there, had a different coaching staff. He has Mac Brown there right now. I think Mac Jones will be the first quarterback taken. Then you got Spencer Rattler, who's going to be up there as well. He's a third-year quarterback, so he'll be talked about in the draft. DJ Uagalele from Clemson. Obviously, we saw him play against Notre Dame and then one other game, but I can't remember what game that was. Then you have Grayson McCall, who when I watched the Kansas... Coast Carolina game with my friend Noah because we were so excited for that game. It's at 9.30. That's usually when Kansas plays. Noah said we might be just watching the Heisman Trophy winner, Grayson McCall. The Heisman Trophy winner. And then now he's listed by student section underscore Instagram page as the fourth best returning quarterback in college football. Then we got JT Daniels, Derek King, Brock Purdy, Dylan Gabriel, Keaton Slovis, and Matt Coral from Ole Miss. Now, two things. I think that we are overrating JT Daniels a tiny bit. 
Like, we're really rating him behind Keaton Slovis? Really? Keaton Slovis is the reason he transferred from USC. So why are we ranking him four spots above said Keaton Slovis? I don't think Derek King should be ranked behind anybody other than Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler as far as these quarterbacks are concerned. Same with Keaton Slovis. If I was re-ranking this list, I would probably go, as far as the returners go, Sam Howell number one. Then I could you could I could easily argue Derek King being the second best quarterback in college football right now. Do I think that doesn't mean that he's the second best available draftable quarterback? I think Spencer Rattler will probably be a better prospect than Derek King. But I think Derek King's skill set and what he did at Houston and at Miami last year, he was the only semblance of an offense they had was through Derek King. So I would say he's number two. I would put Rattler at three, Slovis at four, and then we could throw, I could argue Dylan Gabriel being up there as well. And someone who's not on this list that I was actually pretty surprised wasn't on this list was a very hyped quarterback, and I really like this dude as a quarterback, is Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Dude is an awesome quarterback for Arizona State. I don't know why he's not getting listed in that specific list, because he definitely should be. I think Spencer Sanders could feel hard done by, by not being on this list as well. And again, that's not saying anything about how bad or good these other quarterbacks are. I know Matt Coral is getting a lot of hype going into the season. They're not necessarily saying that he shouldn't be in the top 10, but it's going to be hard to see a guy like Jaden Daniels or Spencer Sanders not be in the top 10 or Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. I don't, I, it's hard for me to see these lists without having these guys near or in the top five. And then you can have like, I don't think Bo Nix should be up there, but you can mention him as one of those quarterbacks that could be up there. Tanner Morgan had a very down year, but he is one of the better quarterbacks returning from college football. I'm not a fan of Sean Clifford, but you could put him in there as well. There's, there's a decent amount of good college quarterbacks coming back next year, but I think we're overrating JT Daniels a tiny bit. I, I don't have any personal beef towards JT Daniels, but do I think he's the fifth best quarterback in college football right now as we sit here on February 28th? No. I think Slovis is better. I think Derek King is better. Brock Purdy, Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Sanders, Jade Daniels are better than JT Daniels right now. Now if we're talking about in the draft prospect, then sure, you can throw JT Daniels up there because I'm pretty sure JT Daniels going to get a lot of draft hype coming into next year's draft. But Slovis literally made him transfer. He made him pack his bags and go to Georgia because he beat him out and played a lot better with the same talent and got USC a better record with the same talent. I don't don't know how we can rank Keaton Slovis so far down the list at number 9. Derek King, I think, is getting no love from this list from what he can do in the past and run game. He's the best dual threat quarterback easily on this list. Grace McCall could be up there as well. He's probably the second best in that regard. Brock Purdy's a decent running quarterback as well. Stopped, kind of stopped running a little bit over the past couple years at Iowa State, but is still a really good runner. And Spencer Petras isn't on this list. Why is he not on here? I demand... Spencer Petrus, be on this list. No, I don't. I don't. Please don't take me seriously on that. 
But yeah, I think if we're talking about for next year's draft, and different, which is different than saying the best college quarterbacks, because at the time you could go a few years ago, you would say Sam Bradford, who went number one, and then Tim Tebow and Colt McCoy were the three best quarterbacks in college football. Sam Bradford, guess went one, but Tebow went in the late first round, and Colt McCoy went in the third round. If I remember right, he might have gone late second round. But best college quarterback doesn't necessarily make you the best NFL prospect. Like, do you really think that, was there really a time last year where, or let's go two years ago, that someone like Mac Jones would be a better, is a better college quarterback than Sam Ellinger? Some people might think that, or some people might not think that. Some people might think Sam Ellinger is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, but there's no chance in hell Sam Ellinger gets drafted before Mac Jones. <laughs> I made fun of Cole from Cole & Company when I was on the show because he said he'd have Sam Ellinger over Trey Lance, which I thought was very funny. I made fun of him for it on the show. He texted me about that when Texas lost to Oklahoma, but they came back and Sam Ellinger played very well in the last quarter in overtime. But he was dirting into that quarterback that, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad I play in the first two quarters, we'll have a chance in the fourth quarter, which sounds a lot like Tebow's time in Denver, where I might suck in the first three quarters, but good Lord, I'm going to be good to a- average to good in the fourth quarter, and we're going to somehow win this game. I don't know how he won ever, but he did. If he had the Lord on his side, I don't know. But <laughs> that was a, such a weird time. That was such a weird time. Tebow mania. Goodness gracious. But do I think this list overall from student section underscore is bad? No. I like all the quarterbacks on this list. I might rearrange it a little bit. But, like, I I think 100% Sam Howell is the best quarterback coming back to college football. I think Keaton Slovis should be up there as well. I think Derek King should get talked about being up there as well. I I love Keaton Slovis. I think Keaton Slovis will probably be the second quarterback taken in this draft, next year's draft. And Spencer Rattler will probably be the third quarterback taken. If I had to place bets on it, that's what I would That's what I would guess. If I had to rank the top five draft prospects, it'd probably go Sam Howell 1, Slovis and Rattler like 2A and 2B, and then probably, I don't know, we're going to need to watch him a little bit more. Because I watched, I've watched Sam Howell, I've watched Keaton Slovis play, I've watched Spencer Rattler play, but are we going to rank JT Daniels this, the fourth best Derek King? Because Derek King a little smaller, but obviously that's starting to that trend's starting to get a little bucked because of the likes of Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, all those guys. So maybe Derek King should be ranked number four on that list for his dual threat possibilities for draft prospects, and then it can be a tie between like Purdy, Gabriel. Uh, JT Daniels for the next best quarterback in this next year's draft class. Because I don't know, I'm. this might sound bad, I don't know what year Matt Coral is. That could be bad. I don't know what year he is. He could be a junior, and then he could be ready to go to the NFL. I don't really know. I apologize for that. Actually, no, 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 no. Desmond Ritter, I'll put him at uh, number five. So yeah, that's probably what I would do. This is what I'm sitting here right now is Sam Howell, Rattler, Slovis, whatever order you want to put those two in, and then King and Ritter. That's probably what I would do from a draft prospect scenario. I was kind of surprised Desmond Ritter came. Well, I, I'm not really surprised because he wants to boost his draft stock. He's going to be about a third-round draft, third, fourth-round draft pick this year probably. 
But he's good. He's good. I think he could get better, and which is why he came back. So, yeah, Jordan Palmer really likes him. He's the guy that coaches Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, a bunch of other quarterbacks in the NFL, and Trevor Lawrence being another one. So I'm excited. I'm excited for next year's draft, even though we're not even to this year's draft yet, which is exciting, which is very exciting. And we got we are a week away from Mock Draft 3.0. Man, exciting times, exciting times. But before we even get to the draft, and we got quarterbacks going everywhere. Quarterbacks are going to be the main talking point this offseason. We don't know where Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson will be going. That's one thing we do not know where those two are going. Now, Russell Wilson has been photoshopped more times than I have seen in Bears uniforms than anyone I've ever seen. The Bears are going ham trying to go after Russell Wilson. And I'm it's fair play. Fair play. I've seen this stat on Instagram pop up a few times. Single season with 30-plus passing touchdowns. Russell Wilson, five. Every Bears quarterback since 1922, zero. The Bears are the only t- franchise in NFL history, if I remember this correctly, that have never had a 4,000-yard passer. The only franchise out of the 32 franchises in the NFL currently and the ones that came before that never have had a 4,000-yard passer. That's kind of crazy. Even Jay Cutler didn't get 4,000 yards, which is kind of surprising, seeing how good his arm was. You'd think he'd have a little more, one of the at least one 4,000-yard season. Like, look at the Jaguars. They've had a guy throw for 4,000 yards. I don't know who. If it was Blake Boros, man, Sad and it hurts. that hurts. Hurts. But the Bears GM Ryan Pace has been very persistent in making sure the Seahawks know just how interested they are for Wilson. Do I think Russell Wilson get traded this offseason? I don't know. You never know what these things. Again, I'm not connected to anybody. I don't know if Russell Wilson will get traded or not. I'm sorry, I don't have those types of answers. But there is also links with the New York Jets because he really likes Robert Sala. Because if you remember, I took a screenshot of this. The Jets, when they hired Robert Sala, the NFL Instagram account posted, Russell Wilson posted, great coach, better man. So maybe there's a link there. Maybe he wants to go play for the Jets. I don't know. Maybe he wants to go play for the Dolphins. And goodness gracious, I took a screenshot of this because I had to talk about it. I didn't want to forget about it. But two was... Start your engines thing for the NASCAR race down in Miami was uber cringy. If you want to watch that, I wear like some 3D glasses or something so you don't take in all of the cringe at one time because it's bad. It's pretty bad. I don't, I did, I enjoy it from the fact of how cringy it is. He did a whole cadence and everything. All you need to do is say, driver, start. Hi, this is two attack of from the Miami Dolphins. Driver, start your engines. That's all you need to do. You don't need to do, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. All right, on one. And hold your hands up like you're taking a ball from center and then not actually taking a ball anywhere. And then going, drivers, start your engines. With finger guns, not necessary, Tua. Now, if I'm the Dolphins and I see that, I'm trading him yesterday. He's getting, He should have been gone weeks ago. Because I guarantee... Deshaun Watson wouldn't be doing that now. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, he could. Def- I could definitely see Russell Wilson doing something like that. Of course, he's Mr. Unlimited, so maybe he would do something like that. But that was bad. I didn't enjoy that for a second. It made me hurt inside watching Tua's thing there. Does that change Chris Greer's idea of what Tua is 
as their franchise quarterback. Now, he did say this is Miami Dolphins starting quarterback to attack of Iola. Probably trying to staple in or push in the fact that, yes, he's currently the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. But that doesn't mean he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins forever and ever. Because they could make a trade. Because that's the fun part of the NFL offseason is trades, trades, and trades. Which we haven't even reached the official start of next season, which is March 17th, I think, is the first day of the new NFL season. So, apparently, from what reports say, expect a lot of trades to be done on or around those days. So, it's exciting, exciting. And another NFL move that has been talked about at nauseum to the point where my dad goes, just pick a team already, is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt has apparently narrowed his team down, his teams down to three or five teams, and the Bills look to be the favorite, according to sources, which makes sense. If J.J. Watt wants to win a Super Bowl, the best chance he has out of those teams is the Buffalo Bills. In my opinion, I could be wrong, could be biased, I don't know. That's what I think. But I'm going to end the show here. I'm very tired. I got a headache. This show wasn't, I I don't really think this show is that good, to be 100% honest with you. I I wish I would redo this show again, but I'm too tired. I can't do it. And, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I mean, it was enjoyable, but it didn't really have a lot of structure to it, and I just wanted to end the show early. So if you enjoyed the show, that's good. But if you didn't, I completely understand. (laughs) And hopefully it'll be better the next coming days, the next couple shows. Because, good lord, my head hurts. And I'm just going to end it now. So, I hope you did enjoy it. And I will see you all later. Peace.